0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Life's Learning Curve. This is Season 2, Episode 24. 24. Our podcast is about retelling those stories of just how we became the best us. And on today's episode, we actually incorporate the title of the podcast into the episode in a way. How do our lives come complete with the daily learning curve? Huh? Huh? This all-new podcast coming up right here on Life's Learning Curve. Please comment, or if you want to subscribe, or to listen, or to read our blogs, or find extended or deeper show notes, go to our website. It's lifeslearningcurve.org. And on today's show... So imagine this opportunity. You get to walk up to the house that you lived in in high school, and when you walked in, there was every family member from that time all doing what they normally did hey, was your day? their day to day these were the people from that time that loved and cared for each other but afternoon. they were busy with the day to day life Is your sister not home yet? we can't travel back in time and add on or fix experiences from many years ago or can we? <laughs> now. I know that you've heard this quote before, and I love the quote, so many people do, but it rings so true on today's show. John Lennon wrote the lyric, life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. In other words, in the day by day, as we're living our lives, we're not really seeing the big picture all the time. Do we ever really truly appreciate or realize the present day? The day-to-day stuff. Well, some people do, but some people don't. The learning curve of life presents us with a couple types of pain. A couple types. One that hurts you and the other one that changes you. We can't travel back in time and add on or fix experiences from many years ago. Or can we? (laughs) learning curve podcast i'm paul hart coming up the learning curve of life stand by great films often leave me with a feeling that brings me back to revisit them so the other night i rewatched a film on netflix from 1986 i never thought i'd even watch it again but it was called peggy sue got married It's a fantasy, comedy, drama about a woman on the verge of divorce named Peggy Sue. And she attends her 25th class reunion and somehow she finds herself transported back to the days of her senior year in high school. That must be the fantasy part. Peggy Sue is back in 1960, traveling back from 1986. And here, back in her teenage years, she steps back into a regular day as her younger teenage self. So we have a period film set in the year 1960. Flashback. I didn't remember much of this film back from when I saw it in 1986, but I recall the feeling of the nostalgia of some of the music and some of the cool 1950s cars, the beautiful colors, aquas, and things. Now, 34 years later, here I am watching this movie again. <laughs> what struck me in watching it in present day as opposed to when I saw it in 1986 was how I felt and how I reacted to it. I related very differently to this film. No in 1986, I had no children of my own yet. Not married. I had yet to experience close personal Family, death, and this film in present day hit me harder than I expected. In this movie, Peggy Sue finds herself pushing aside the once important high school troubles and trauma, you know, the angst. And while she's back in 1960, she uses her time and her past to reflect and build on the potential options and possibilities she once overlooked, such as an unfostered relationship with another boy at school the guy I guess she always wanted to go out with but didn't overlooked Action. now she's got a chance to do that again and making time for her younger sister who always seemed to be pushed aside in the past without giving away the film's journey or conclusion I felt particular empathy the familiar pain of high school the dread of some days and the longing that you wished for I felt that along with Peggy Sue in this movie. Why? Why? So imagine this opportunity. You get to walk up to the house that you lived in in high school, and when you walked in, there was every family member from that time, all doing what they normally did, their day to day. These were the people from that time that loved and cared for each other. But they were busy with the day-to-day life. Is your sister not home yet? There is a quick moment when Peggy Sue says, Mom, I forgot you ever looked this young. Her mom just dismisses the comment as a compliment from a daughter. I worked with a really funny, bright man named Kevin. We both taught school, and we shared a common love for inside jokery, buffoonery, (laughs) sometimes, and being clever beyond clarity, I guess. Kevin could also be a very quotable type of guy. We once had an administrator, who I'll call Dr. D for the podcast, who really knew how to manage people and bring out the best in his staff. A humble champion among his peers as well. Dr. D was a rare find. He was innovative and he helped teachers, students, community fulfill their educational destinies. Very cool. True. That was probably one of the only times in education where I actually got to focus on being a teacher and being the best teacher I could be to other people. One spring, we were told that Dr. D was being reassigned to a larger school and he'd be leaving our building. Now although we were quite sad to see him leave we welcomed this new administrator naively thinking that he had the same approach to management as Dr ben, D have you here. He didn't yeah. What's going on here Conflicts arose among students parents staff What's going on Paperwork was being bundled yeah. everything seemed chaotic and all of a sudden uh, we were fraught with this uncertainty about life Kevin had this metaphoric quote. He looked at me one day during the chaos, and he said, Well, I guess Dad isn't driving the car anymore. I knew exactly what he meant. In my reality, remember that feeling when Dad drove the car when you were little? You were safe, you were secure, and no matter what happened, you knew you were more than even safe. In a larger way, as a child... My parents often took family drives on Sundays after church and would usually drive west. We're going for a drive, kids. West was the direction in which my parents were raised, and they liked to go revisit their former college friends sometimes or just drive around their former graduate school, and they'd see the farmland where they both grew up. Now, our drives usually contained an ice cream stop an ice cream cone or something like that, which, of course, I loved and my father was very preferential. He had certain dairies he liked in the state. He was an ice cream connoisseur. (laughs) At one time before children, my father dreamed up a top-notch job for himself. While he was in graduate school, my dad made extra money in college after World War II by starting his own ice cream route, delivery service to the farmers in the rural counties of the Chicago area far west. He had grown up quite poor and he was always looking to seize an opportunity another way he possibly could make an extra dollar. One day your Uncle Bill drove me to pick up a refrigeration truck I wanted in Sandwich, Illinois. I had a business idea. Uncle Bill drove me out there. I was young and I rode on the fender of his car all the way out. Less traffic less everything country roads back then I did buy the refrigerated truck from a guy that told me, Bob, don't ever turn this truck off. If you turn it off, it's never gonna start again, and I'm not kidding around, that's what's gonna happen. Keep it running. As long as you keep it running, it's fine. My dad said, so I let that truck run for about 10 years and I never shut it off. Every night I filled it up with gasoline, I plugged in the refrigeration unit, and everything was icy cold by morning, I was gonna sell ice cream by the gallon to the farmers. So each day after my college graduate classes, I'd get the truck and I'd purchase a lot of fresh, high quality ice cream at the dairy in St. Charles, Illinois. And I sold it at a slight profit to the farming community. And I, and I drove it right to their door. It was like home delivery. The farmers couldn't get enough of it. They loved it. Most farmers treated me like family. Good people, farmers, especially if they like you. And who doesn't love seeing the ice cream truck pull up? Most farmer families would eat six to ten gallons of ice cream a week. Some ate more. These were hard working families, Paul. They had good sized appetites. It got so I sold more ice cream than I could fill my refrigerated truck. Your Uncle Bill was a pilot for TWA Airlines. On his days off, he'd fill in for me while I was in class at college. Some farms I'd come to, I'd deliver two to three times a week. That's a lot of ice cream to eat. It was how we made enough money to put a down payment on the house we live in now. I know these far west country roads like the back of my hand. You know, I understood what he was saying. My dad was just touching bases with a successful, dreamed-up business venture from his past. He needed to revisit the old ice cream rod from time to time. For him, it was reassuring and necessary to remember just how far he'd gone since then. It helped my dad to continue to move forward and excel and achieve beyond what he ever dreamed was possible. Keep climbing that ladder. Now, another somewhat touching and unexpected portion of the film, Peggy Sue Got Married, is when Peggy Sue answers the phone at the house. This is right after she first gets there. And she's speaking to her grandmother, who apparently has passed away. But through Peggy Sue's time travel, Grandma's there, alive and well, and she's on the phone. Peggy Sue Sue is overcome by this sudden, unexpected voice from the years gone by, and now she's talking to Grandma again? All she could do in the film was drop the phone, and she had to learn to accept this replay of a former reality. For me, I had a really strong relationship with my grandpa, called him grandpa. And I still hear his voice very clearly in my head. Although he passed away when I was about 12, he left such a strong, solid impression on me that to this day, I honor and cherish his memory. I'll most definitely have a podcast for him in the future. Definitely. There's so many great stories and so many great things he did with me and for me. But for now, I want you to know that, well, every other Saturday, my grandpa would walk four-year-old me all the way until I was about seven or eight to the bank, and then we would both go to the barber shop together and we would have haircuts together. It was a simpler time. I remember the smells of the clean and colorful solutions in the barber shop and the soft, uh, puffy shaving cream in the barbershop as well. And the professional manner in which they treated both of us. And how when Glenn, the Barber shaved the back of my neck with the razor, it gave me the goosebumps. <laughs> when we finished, my grandpa and I moved next door to what he called Kachuris's place. My grandpa called it Kachuris's place, yeah. Neither he nor my grandma were drinkers of any kind of alcohol, but... We went next door, and Couturis' place was a bar. At 11 a.m. Saturday morning, Grandpa had a cup of coffee and a cigar, and Mr. Kachuris served me a small-sized chocolate sundae. Grandpa would not take me in there if there were any other customers at the bar. As I quietly ate my ice cream, I heard my Grandpa and Mr. Kachuris, they would talk. How are you doing, Kachuris? They'd tease one another. Looking good, Wilk. Healthy. That's because I stopped eating your food and they'd share stories of teaching school and the community and how things used to be. Remember when old Benson lost his car? Mr. Couturis seemed to be in his late 40s, and I couldn't imagine it, but Grandpa told me that... The old, good old Couturis was one of my best students once. He's a good man, Polly. There always needs to be good men in life. Now come to think of it, my grandpa always called me his good man. You're my good man. He'd say, You're my good man, my best man, and my dandy man. Phrases from the past. Now that I'm a retired teacher, I get it. Because I hear from students that I once had in class that are up to 50 years old now. Time is a tyrant. <laughs> Grandpa and I would leave to go get his car parked just down the street and four-year-old me always held my grandpa's hand and I walked down the street with him. It seemed like EVERYONE knew him. Hiya, Wilk! What's up, Wilk? How you doing, Wilk? What's doing, Wilk? His last name was Wilkinson, and he had been called Wilk by just about everyone in town. I assumed that my grandpa was the mayor, because how could he know all these people? He wasn't, but I'll tell you what he was. He was a wounded vet from World War I and a retired mechanical drawing teacher from the local high school. Young and old people greeted my grandpa with honor and with respect. Good afternoon, sir. And don't think I didn't notice that. If I could, that's the kind of man that I would want to be. Just one more conversation with Grandpa. Yeah, I'd like that. There's another portion of the movie Peggy Sue Got Married where Peggy Sue begins to miss her children from the future so badly that she realizes that Teenage her has to meet her future husband in high school, and if she doesn't do that, she won't ever see her kids again in the future. So she was able to foresee these necessary changes in her trip back in time, and adjust to them just ahead of time. Unfortunately, real life doesn't do that. When my firstborn daughter, Heidi, was growing up, she and I had a very close bond, I'm proud to say. She was my little girl, and I had that natural need to protect, love, and nurture that most all fathers do. For as long as I could remember, probably up to seventh grade, when we ever crossed a busy street, I would hold out my index finger, and Heidi would grasp it with her entire little hand and we would cross safely daddy's here he'll always keep me safe she knew that I looked out for her always and as she got older she kept an eye out for me as well when her college years came around my daughter Heidi spent the first three summers back at home and I always always looked forward to having her back home in the house hey welcome home honey I couldn't wait it somehow made my life full again it always seemed Unnatural to have her gone, but I never told her that. There was one particular summer that was hard on Heidi. Her friends were away or traveling or not at home for the summer and add to that a lot of demands and careless words were thrown at her by a really careless former good friend and my daughter Heidi found herself saying the words no parents ever want to hear. Now Heidi's always very mindful of the words she uses, so she's not somebody that goes around just yelling things out as she thinks of them. She was always careful not to exaggerate or say the wrong thing. But there we were, not so many years ago, the day she stood with me in the kitchen and she said, I can't stay here any longer, Daddy. My life is somewhere else. When I'm here, I'm, I'm, it's like I'm not living, I'm just existing. I'm not going to come back after this. I'm just not. And that was that. I felt that familiar deep pain from high school again. There it was. It had been hiding inside of me all those years. It was back again. And for me, that's the worst kind of pain. The kind that comes when your heart and your soul are unprepared for change. I knew I'd be ready for this moment, but not at least for a few more years. (laughs) I was wrong. Now Heidi was not being bad or selfish or she wasn't scolding me or anyone else. She just was moving ahead. It was her time to exit living with the nuclear family. She was right on time, just like she should be. She was ready. I was not. As a parent, you spend a great deal of your life making sure your children are ready for what's coming ahead of them. Telling them about kindergarten, what sports might be like, and what to expect. But this was the first time I blindsided myself. Since then, Adi has done so well with her life and her career, and I continue to be her biggest fan. It's not that she never came back or anything. She just doesn't live in the house anymore. So we call and we talk as often as we can and we laugh about our past and our life together. She still has daddy's sense of humor kind of her version of it. She lives halfway across the country, away from the mid Midwest. She's engaged now, and she spends thanksgivings and Christmases and here and she visits on occasion. And I love those days. But I have to say, those childhood years fly by, then they're gone. And you do not know their value until what was once your day-to-day life changes into stories of how it used to be but that's the thing about life changes come sometimes without any kind of warning we try to do our very best to move forward and make new memories when i think of my high school experience time has healed any pain you know the lost girlfriends or my sometimes ridiculous decisions of when i was was a teenager but when i think about it i remember tremendous deep internal pain sometimes so intense that i couldn't move forward and i couldn't describe why deep in my heart it was a familiar pain a constant pain I always had that anxiousness that I needed to be home uh, to get the phone. There were no cell phones back then, and I, I, just landlines, and I, I didn't want to be left out or miss a call, you know, an opportunity. Now this type of idiocy, idiocy kept me away from those who loved me most. My family, some vacations, dinner out with my parents, dinner out with my grandparents, visits with my family. Ah, They'll always be around. I thought very naively. Now I wish I could go back and have that conversation with my grandpa, my mom, my dad, my grandmothers. God gave me a stellar family. Really, how lucky. It was up to my free will as to what I did with them. Not to say I never connected with my family. I did. I went to a lot of family events. However, I know that I missed some quality moments waiting for a stupid phone call that never came, ever. As for Peggy Sue in the movie, in 1960, she had seen her life through her eyes and experienced the day-to-day part of life. You know, like we all do. But she only fully appreciated her teenage days after going back in time because finally she saw things this time. She saw it through her heart. I think we all might like to relive a day at home with our families from our high school and teenage days There are so many things to appreciate. Food. Mom's food. The good stuff and the bad stuff. Roast beef. The decor of the house. Smells from the kitchen. Um, My mom burned candles. Even the smell of my mom's cologne. Her perfume, I should say. Holding the flashlight for dad. My mom's voice. Now, just hearing replays of my mother's voice on old VHS videotapes calms me. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. It relaxes me. So does my dad's voice now check out. There's a podcast about this of the same name called my dad's voice. It's one of our podcasts. The first time someone reminded me of a more innocent time was my first girlfriend many years ago. We dated for a couple of years when we were in our mid-teens and then called it quits. She was a very bright and she was a fun girl. I'll call her uh, I'll call her Julia for the podcast, Julia. We ran into one another after 7 years. So, we had not seen each other for 7 years. We were in our early 20s and had a brief conversation and Even though we were only 15 or 16 years old when we were in a very innocent young relationship, now we were 23, 24. We laughed, and I remember retelling some stories. (laughs) Do you you remember the snowman? Yeah. We're going to wrap things up, and Julia laughed, and she finally concluded and said, Those are such innocent times. I couldn't help but notice some sadness in the delivery of those words, even though only seven years had passed, that was when I understood that her life had probably moved forward in a much more complicated progression and entirely less carefree manner than mine. I had just graduated college and I was now in the workforce and life had handed me this huge unpainted picture. My life was in front of me and I still felt all that innocence from seven years before even though I was 23 or 24 years old, but Julia didn't. Now, many years later, I found out that after high school, Julia had experienced the death of a parent, a surprise pregnancy and a few deep legal issues all before the age of 22. Julia felt the tragedy of things. For me, I was still full of hope and promise. I had the innocence still. For her, a much more innocent time had too quickly passed her by. It's important to look backward from time to time because it helps us shape our future, our destiny. Who will we become? How did we even get here? It's the learning curve of life, our history. It's magic. It's not magic. It's tragic. But let's remember it and learn from it and toast it on a daily basis (laughs) to life. For Life's Learning Curve, I'm Paul Hart. The Learning Curve of Life. Life's Learning Curve podcast is put together by producer Paul Hart with assistance by Andrea Roman, Harold A.D., and Sebastian T. Dog. We're mixed by Heidi Cerner, technical director Hal McDonald. As always, music and audio assistance by Riley Hart. Our podcast content and voice replication is intended for entertainment purposes only. On today's show, special thanks to H.R. Wilkinson, Heidi Hart, and the infamous Dr. D. Check out our website, lifeslearningcurve.org, and leave a comment. But please do subscribe. We'd love to have you. As always, find us on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, and listen to us almost everywhere podcasts are heard. I'm Paul Hart, and we will be back soon with more from Life's Learning Curve. We're clear. We're clear. We're clear. We're clear.